podcast. How brave of you. Nate and Paranoid American may think that they're merely discussing cryptozoology, interdimensional realities, and crude humor. But know this, listening to this podcast puts you on a certain list, the Clinton body count, if you will. The truths they reveal are not for the faint of heart, nor the blissfully ignorant. Listen, if you dare, but remember, some doors, once opened, cannot be closed. And now, your hosts, those audacious explorers of forbidden knowledge, the reality czars, Nate and Paranoid American. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we're live. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate, Thomas, and Tony fucking showed up. Holy shit. So we got three hosts and one guest. It's a wild time. What's up, everybody? Boop. Hey. <laughs> uh, we have the Cosmic Peach, Julia herself, with us, joining us today. Um, we are going in no agenda, but I think we're going to talk maybe a little bit of a Canadian comedian. Um, and we're going to have some fun. She was just on Mark's show. It was awesome. Great episode. Shout out to Mark. Um, Julia, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I know this one is going to be great. We've been planning to get together for a while now. I know it's been forever. I, we've been talking for like a year and I think I you've been on the show once. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad to have you back. Um, and uh, why don't you tell our audience, if they're not familiar with you and your work, tell us how we can find you and all that fun stuff and how we can support you. Yeah, thanks. So I have Cosmic Beach podcast and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. I do have a YouTube. Uh, I am really selective on what I've put on the YouTube because I'm trying not to get axed. So you might not find some of the more graphic stuff on YouTube. But I also have Instagram, cosmic.peach.podcast. Um, and for those who are feeling froggy, you can check into room 237. That's my Patreon. And I have a lot of exclusive content over on Patreon as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm Julia and I host the Cosmic Peach podcast and I pretty much talk about everything, cryptids, paranormal, true crime, conspiracy theories, uh, religion, you name it, I'm covering it. I love it. And you're on our YouTube channel tonight, so feel free to go as hard as you want <laughs> because cool. uh, for some reason, I just don't care about this channel at all. And so feel free to burn as many bridges. We can say anything that we like. So that's awesome. Thanks. I will do so. <laughs> um, how do we want to get started? Well, well, when we were kind of talking before, Julia mentioned that she's been doing research on Jim Carrey. And I only know him from, you know, H. Ventura and, and just basically all the movies, The Mask, um, majestic and then you know obviously the truman show is probably the biggest one that he gets credit from conspiracy community mm -hmm. but then he kind of like weirded out and started doing art and like tweeting at donald trump and doing like didn't he wear like a pussy hat at some point and i don't <laughs> i don't know exactly what the entire trajectory was but i just remember that it was you know it, it was uh like an odd trajectory but then again he was canadian so he gets a pass. Well, I think it's it's interesting because he's iconic and he's beloved by so many people for he's one of the comedy kings, you know. So if you look at his life and where he's ended up over the last couple of years, you start 
wondering if maybe he snapped because he started coming out and talking about the Illuminati as he called it and doing like the tongue and the pyramid and all this stuff. And you, you have to kind of look back in the past at what he's been through that's gotten him to this point and why maybe he has had like a mental breakdown and he's ready to like come out and talk about stuff. And that's where my interest kind of peaked. That and I love him just as an actor. I grew up watching all the movies. Me so too. Do you think the Illuminati stuff was him making fun of people that, that believed in it? Or do you think he's actually like came out at some point and has been trying to drop like secrets like, I don't know, like Stanley Kubrick style? Well, if you think about who he is and he is a comedian, it would suit his personality to make a joke out of it, but actually not be joking. It's kind of like I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Everyone's laughing, but it's not funny. Everyone knows him as a comedian. So, of course, if he can make it funny, he will. But he's also slipping in a little bit of like, I'm I'm making a joke, but you should really look into it because, you know, there is something more to it. And it's almost just his personality to try to come out with it like that. I think that he was being serious because if you look at some of the other things that I've found going further into his um more recent movies he did one called dark crimes that's on um amazon prime right now and it's all about um sex trafficking and underground um slaves like women tied up in basements with chains and whips and these guys pay to it's kind of like hostile they pay to go down in these tunnels and rape women to death and do all this stuff and it jim carries this underground investigator who finds out about the the pedophilia rings and all this stuff and he's trying to expose it and he ends up dying at the end of the movie and he's just gotten himself involved in some really interesting projects that are so far from where he started out and i think it's because he's a lot more esoteric and he continues to become more esoteric the older he gets is that movie a documentary style type of thing, or is that more like an American horror type of thing? What's the style of that? I would compare it to uh, like a psychological uh, horror movie, kind of, because you're you're watching it kind of like Inception. You don't know what the fuck is going on until the very end of the movie. Because you see Jim Carrey, you see he's an investigator, but there's all these layers that don't make sense in the movie until you get to the very fucking end. And then you're like, oh, shit. So it's like, um, I want to say Stir of Echoes, but that's not the movie I'm thinking of. It's, um, I don't know, it has Michelle Pfeiffer in it. But anyways, it's like a murder drama suspense thriller kind of movie. Okay. Interesting. You know... when I think of Jim Carrey, he is like the living embodiment of like uh, of like the jester archetype. And so like he really is. He's a fucking jester. He is that clown. But, you know, there was something about the jester that like he could he was like part of he wasn't royalty, but he like mixed in those crowds and he was allowed to say things like even to the king that other people would get their heads chopped off for. And they were able to play this like kind of tightrope game um, of like, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating. And so I, I almost like, especially when I was listening to your interview with Mark, uh, as you got deeper into it, it really does sound like he he's almost a jester and he's playing these like he is playing this weird game of like he, he's like a pawn in someone else's game. So if I were going to use someone in a role that Jim Carrey has been in his entire life, he'd be perfect for it because so many people love him and he makes so many people laugh and he makes so many people happy and it's taking that status of the million dollar man he was called at one point because people just kept casting him in movies over and over and over again. And you take that star status and you start sticking him in specific roles like the Truman Show, the number 23, this dark crimes movie. And you start asking yourself, maybe there's been a trend since the beginning of his career, which I think there has been a trend since the beginning of his career. Whether he was aware of it or not, I don't know. But I see a trend in almost every one of his movies. And I think you know what it is because you listen to the episode with Mark. But it's very interesting. And he grew up in Canada. I want to say the Ontario area. And he grew up in a tent on the side of the road for a while. His family was homeless and they had no money, no food, nothing. And he worked the overnight shift at a tire factory. So the family would have a little bit of money. And then finally his dad got a better job and they bought a house. But he legitimately came from zero to take being able to take care of his entire family you know that's great that's like the american dream that everybody's trying to like oh one day i'm gonna make it or one day i'm gonna be famous jim carrey actually did it but it can't just be as simple as that it's like okay we'll let you get to this status but we're gonna stick all this shit in your life that's gonna make you hate yourself and everything around you by the end of it and you're gonna yeah. and everybody's gonna fucking ridicule you at the end of your career well, I mean, yeah, there's always that other end to the bargain, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to give you everything you think you want. But, uh, yeah, there's always strings attached. It's, it is fascinating. And it does seem to me that, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, some people call it crazy, but I definitely think that they there are power players in Hollywood that choose who gets to make it and who doesn't. And uh, there are certain things that you have to do and there is like certain games you have to play to make it in Hollywood or they'll take you out. Yeah, I mean, so he started doing like free um, open mic nights at comedy clubs and he was getting booed out. Nobody liked him. And then he started doing this impressionist stuff and he would do Clint Eastwood and all this. Stuff. We've seen it before in some of his movies. Um, and people really ate that shit up and they loved his impressionist kind of act. So he tried out for Saturday Night Live, I think, three times and he was rejected every single time. And the writers of In Living Color actually picked him up, the Wayans brothers. And I always say unpopular opinion or a popular opinion in living color was way the fuck funnier than Saturday night live ever was. And Jim Carrey was the funny white guy on in living color. And all of those skits, I still watch them fire Marshall bill 
and the power hour where he's pretending to be a pastor and an evangelist and all this stuff like that's that is the funniest shit ever nobody makes stuff like that anymore because it's too touchy or it's too oh somebody will get offended but back in the 80s it didn't matter it was a free-for-all and the shit was actually funny back when comedy was edgy yeah right yeah because he dressed as a like a transgender person he and he did this Vera de milo workout show where um he he would like be selling workout tapes dressed as a girl and um anyways it was just hilarious all the skits that he did were so i mean you could tell he was a very funny person and a great comedian but what launched him into superstardom was the writer or the producer of um, Ace Ventura Pet Detective found him from In Living Color. So that's what kind of launched his career is they took him from, oh, well, this guy, you know, he's on a comedy show and he does skits or whatever. And it took him and made him an actor. And that's when people really started noticing that he could do more than just be the funny guy who lights himself on fire or whatever the skit was that he was having to do. But I don't know. Did you guys watch In Living Color? I definitely did. Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, no, it was great. And agreed. It was better than Saturday Night Live for sure. Yeah, I mean, there was even a skit where Jim Carrey goes around this it's a mcdonald's or something and he's like i'm a homosexual i just want everyone to know i am a homosexual and you can't like it's not you're not allowed to make jokes like that anymore but it it was it was just you know it was great for the time and uh fantastic i mean it it is it's so funny that like like because i have friends that are gay that you don't you don't you'd never know that they were gay right but there is this whole like uh i don't know like homosexuality has become like a political stance at this point you know what i mean and so it's like you have to announce it it's like veganism like how do you know somebody's fucking vegan because they're gonna tell you right and so they leave with their pronouns and they have to like tell you show you that they're gay by like you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's such a funny concept like him especially back then way back in the day i'm a homosexual hey i'm a homosexual (laughs) and uh he he like walked up to the counter and he was like can i get a large number three for a homosexual (laughs) and it was just you know you can't make jokes like that now because everybody's so offended at it at you know people get offended at stuff i say on my podcast all the time and I, honest to God, would just invite them to stop listening to it because I wouldn't listen to something that was just constantly offending me. It's just like, abuse me, abuse me, abuse me. It's like, why are you doing that? You're not a victim. Just turn it off if I said something you didn't like. But anyways, that's besides the point. Well, it's the funny only because... Time... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, it's funny because we have so much more options to listen to things that we like now. Where like <laughs> right. in the 80s, like, yeah, you had three, four channels. That's it. So, mm-hmm. and it was like one show that was pushing the limits, and like everyone would be like, "Did you see that they showed butt cheeks on NYPD this week?" And people would like flip their shit, you know what I mean? And then it would like everyone would start like kind of upping each other until mm-hmm. I don't know what was the pinnacle was like. Well, South that's Park what I was going to ask. Dropping yeah. the F word. What was the crescendo? What like caused it all to crumble? Like 
Because at one point I was like, dude, comedy's just gonna keep getting more and more raunchy. They're gonna have show like they're gonna show pull like full P and V on TV and stuff. I thought it was gonna get like way wild. And then like everybody turned into conservative women mm-hmm. and it's all just shut down. No, I know. I don't know what that pinnacle moment was, but I think it had something. Unless you're a like homosexual adult and they'll show and- a P in your B <laughs> and they'll put that right in live TV. Well, Netflix, you can get some pretty um, good porn in that. Just like you'll see, but it's all um, all that like Netflix sex is very mechanical. That's what I've yeah. noticed. Like it's not erotic at all. It's just basically people performing a bodily function. But yeah, you definitely get sex on Netflix. I don't know what your categories that they were like showing you because like <laughs> I, I have a two year old and I'm not seeing any mechanical sex on my Netflix like. <laughs> uh, your two-year-old just has bad taste What's your algorithms tony what are you what are you typing in there <laughs> i actually canceled netflix because i was just over it i still have like discovery plus and shit like that so i can watch ancient aliens yeah. but i don't i don't fuck with netflix anymore i do have amazon prime and whatever i just you know i limit my streaming platform it's all babylon dude like amazon prime is evil it's all like if i was gonna go like purity cycling i could i just get rid of my tv completely so i just i don't watch the news and i'm very selective about like what i'll actually watch like i've been binging stargate and things Mm -hmm. like that but uh yeah, I feel you. Netflix is a fucking yeah. cesspool, and they, I think, the LGBT. What the fuck is that horrible? A glad, the gay, mm. lesbian, uh, asexual, something, something, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck they are. I don't know what the hell they are. Uh, they just gave their scores, and I think Netflix got like the highest score. Oh, that's nice. For, yeah. Well, how I much mean... they include in their, you know, in their shows? Disney, Netflix, and something else got the highest scores. You know, if you just pirate everything then you can watch whatever content mm-hmm. you want like sort of guilt-free you know like i haven't contributed easy buddy you're gonna have What's to that? teach me i I, w- I was an old pirate back in the day i used to just use limewire and i would steal I any use limewire too and it makes your computer run super fucking slow and you're like no. why the fuck is my computer running i mean there, I there's shit a, there's internet a fight anyways club. and it was an old computer so i didn't notice I, there's a saying of like uh like you don't talk about usenet but usenet's kind of the fight club and that predates limewire and all that stuff it's been around forever and it'll oh my God. be around forever i mean honestly you pay like ten dollars a month and just get all of the media that you can handle movies games tv shows music just you know the list goes on forever 10 bucks i've been cheaper i've been subscribed to use net for like like 30 years everybody can save a lot of money and just go subscribe to my patreon and they'll get enough shit to last them a good 30 days but um, I was going to say, though, I think looking at the start of Jim Carrey's career going all the way throughout to today, um, I, I kind of think he was a conspiracy theorist his entire life because there are some uh, ad-libbed scenes in some of the movies where he like interjected a little something and it kind of makes you question whether or not he's been a conspiracy theorist his entire life or knew some shit. And um, in one of the scenes, actually, in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, he's at the police station and uh, the lieutenant or whatever walks in and he goes, I have a confession to make. I was the second shooter on the grassy knoll. 
and he you know he just slid it in there it was very slight and it also funny it was a joke but is it a joke because we're legitimately talking about how funny is it everyone knows there was shooters on the grassy knoll like it's it's comical yeah but it goes to show you he thought like that even before he was a megastar yeah, so, 100%. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys take. I, I'm, and again, you know, I always tell everyone I could be looking too far into it, but there's all these things that keep adding up throughout the movies. And when you, you know, make like a conglomeration of all of them, it just starts looking like he probably was in on some shit this whole time. I mean, why not be, no, and I'm, this isn't you. This is Jim Carrey. Why not be specific? Cause like, he was drawn, I want to swear he was drawn like Donald Trump with like a dick and like cum blasting out of his head. And like he wasn't pulling any stops when it came to political criticism, right? So, I mean, if he knows something, why wouldn't he be breaking it down a little bit more? Why isn't he drawing, you know, some producer uh, in some crazy, you know, lucid act in his paintings as a way to like outlet? Is it is it because he's like doesn't want to die <laughs> or like is it because I mean... the guys are on him? I, I will tell you as a very selfish human being, I do not want to die and I would not put myself in any position to where I would die. Even if I really wanted to badly expose something, I don't know if I would do it to my detriment. Like I have a podcast. That's one thing. I'm not getting death threats. I don't know these people personally. I don't hang out in their social circles. I don't fucking know where they live. They don't know where I live for the most part. Right. They probably can get my address easily, but He's like rubbing shoulders with these people. How many apple carts does he really want to upset? Because at the end of the day, I think he's done an okay job exposing some shit. But how much can he expose without exposing himself to? So, I mean, maybe he got into some shit himself. And he's like, I want to tell everybody what y'all are up to. But I kind of was doing it too. What's and the biggest so thing that he exposed? I would say um, if you look at his house, uh, which I, I did talk to Mark a little bit about, I talked more about it on my personal podcast, but he actually has um, like an altar room in his house with like uh, marble deities and mirrors on the floor, mirrors on the ceiling, mirrors all around. And he has like shrines and these little decorative towels and you almost wonder what it was he was doing in there um and he's said before about like the darkness of hollywood and there was this whole scandal where people thought he murdered his ex-girlfriend and it's just like if you already have all that hanging over you how far can you push before people start outing you for shit you did i mean they went as far as to say like he gave his ex-girlfriend like herpes and hpv and hepatitis and like all this stuff is there no merit to any of that stuff as far as i can tell he said that she already had those things when they got together but her family says she didn't he knew he had all those things had sex with her unprotected and gave her all those things and she was so upset she killed herself. So if I had to throw a dart, if I mean, 
Hollywood star that's called, you know, Mr. What is it called? The Million Dollar Man that like, you know, has has been doing the Hollywood thing for a decade or some random bumpkin that ends up. Actually, I don't even know who his wife was. Was she a random bumpkin or did, was she like, like a Croatian sex worker or what? She was um, Irish and she met him because she was a pretty... Um, prominent makeup artist so she worked on the sets of movies she was from ireland she did his makeup for one of the movies he was in they met they hit it off they started dating a few months later she kills herself and her family says it's because he gave her herpes and hpv and hepatitis and like all this stuff and on top of that gave her bad drugs and that caused her to all have an altered mental state and she ended up killing herself but that all kind of checks out. I mean, honestly, I yeah. mean, it's so hard. And I've looked into it from the top to the bottom and you listen to his side and then you listen to their side and they're, they've sued him over and over again. And they keep, you know, somehow getting, he somehow gets out of it every time he was a pallbearer at her funeral. He was super upset by her death. And so he says that she was disturbed before he met her and she was she had been depressed for years and she finally just killed herself i don't know like people really need to just go and look into it because it's it's like a netflix documentary you have to watch all the episodes and get to the end before you can form like a conclusion on what you think happened there's so many layers to that shit i mean i mean the human condition is complex, obviously, so things on the surface don't... It's not like 2 plus 2 equals 4 kind of formulas, but it does... I mean, e even hearing it all out, I can't imagine what the other... You know, what Jim Carrey's side of this would be, not throwing shade on anyone, but it's like, even if she was mentally disturbed, she now has the resources of one of the richest people on the planet that is you're in a relationship with, and I can understand maybe that would be too much for someone to handle. And if they're already on the edge, it could break them. But also, like, you've got the freaking resources to get them the best help possible. I mean, if, if her liver, like, had exploded, they could probably have gotten her somewhere to fix it. So it's just weird that, like, just overnight, you know, this relationship that's been going on for months. And then it's just, like, out of nowhere, like, mental health just reared its head. It's possible. But it, I don't know. It seems like there would be something You'll, weird to that. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like you said, there's there's just me talking about it very vaguely and how it seems as though it could have been this or that. But at the end of the day, I think that there is lies on both sides. I think her family's made some shit up. I think he's made some shit up. And the reason why it can never go to trial and the reason why he keeps getting away with it quote unquote is because there's no proof or evidence that either side has to concretely say yes he gave her herpes or yes he she was so depressed about it she killed herself they know for sure she killed herself they just don't know if it was because anything he did or not but for <laughs> sure she it? killed herself i need to know <laughs> well you in know, the play go ahead tony well i was just gonna say the play devil's devil's advocate um like, she might have got mental health. I mean, that always doesn't work. Um, people kill themselves on SSRIs. I mean, she could have been prescribed some shit, and that could have tweaked something in her mind. And 
I mean, I don't think like getting herpes, like getting all that shit all at once. That fucking sucks, but I can't imagine killing yourself if you're in a good place otherwise. So there's obviously something going on. Can you imagine being a part of Hollywood and actually being in a good place? Like, I, f- I feel like if you're drawn to Hollywood in any way, shape, or form, like, if you're a makeup artist, like, there's something wrong with you mentally. I, I don't know. Like, that <laughs> Very whole valid point. And, well, or else I mean, you can be a makeup artist. Yeah. Like, you're not going to, you can be a makeup artist. You're not going to make the kind of money she was making. Yeah. Like, if that's like movie sets, you know? So, yeah. um, Dude, I've heard fucking stories, and I think this is more recently and probably not back then, but like, Jesus Christ, I've heard some fucking, uh, like percentages out there. And I'm sure in cities it's worse than the country or whatever, but I heard it was like 40% of adults have herpes. Somebody threw out some wild statistics like like that. You cannot get rid of fucking herpes. Like, I might kill myself if I, if that ever, like, you know, maybe they're including cold sores as well. But yeah, that is a super high percentage if that's genital herpes. Statistically, that's one person here right now. Which, Which one, one of you is it? it? Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I was such a dirty dick in high school, and I somehow managed. I never got one. Well, no, I think I did get an STI once. I never mind, but I never got anything that stuck around. Nothing permanent, right? Yeah, nothing That's permanent. the important yeah. part. Nothing, nothing the doctors nothing. know about yet. Yeah. Well, it was it was nothing a, a little penicillin couldn't exactly. Cure, so, yeah, they give you a little but, shot in the ass, and you're good. And, Actually, speaking about that, and the reason why I, I'm i not going to die on this hill or anything, but the reason why I can kind of see Jim Carrey as not being this ultra bad guy that secretly had something to do with this girl dying is because he has led so many anti-vaccine campaigns, like vaccine skepticism campaigns. There's poison in the medicine. There's poison in the vaccine campaigns. He walked down and led this whole march in Washington against um, children getting vaccinated too early and too many and he was saying how there's like lead and mercury and all these things that are causing. We're talking like 2010 like the early 20 teens right did he speak out at all during the pandemic on this? He did actually he did say stuff about the COVID vaccine although it was kind of swept to the side because he then started playing Biden on Saturday Night Live. So there was this weird thing where it was like he wanted to talk about the vaccines because he had been doing it since, like you said, 2010. But he also had an opportunity. It's that Faustian bargain to make money playing Biden on Saturday Night Live, who was pushing the vaccines. So it's like what it's always if you look, he's always in this weird like conundrum between I want to expose some shit, but at the same time, I want to make money. And it's been like that his whole life. I mean, at some point, if you have morals and you have more money than God, you just have, I mean, that's the whole idea of like having fuck you money. I would like to see him if he, if he is a good guy, I'd like to see him just say, fuck it. I mean, he probably has enough money now to have some form of security that can protect him. I don't know though. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you can protect yourself from these people. I mean, I'm talking like uh, Thomas, what was that? The what commission uh, that uh, exposed that the CIA had the fucking dark guns that could kill the heart attack? 
Oh, it was uh, like dark, the, the, know, church, the church, the church, the commission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like that was in the fucking seventies that they could confirm that they could like from a, a thousand yards away, they go like this and shoot you with some stupid little dart and your heart would explode. And they, and you couldn't <laughs> fucking tell what it was from. Dude, um, all they have so, to do is find out where he gets his cold brew latte in the morning yep. and fucking poison the fucking shit out of it, and he's dead. Just put fentanyl in it. Yeah, it's and so he's, easy Oh to no, kill it's just someone. another Hollywood actor that. Yep, he he's been acting he weird for years. Yeah. yeah, and now he's just he, you know he had a heart attack in the middle of Starbies and fucking fell over dead. And that's the end of it. And then we have this big Michael Jackson hurrah where it's like we play Jim Carrey movies for a marathon for three weeks straight. And then everybody like moves on as a nation. But I'm telling you, they do not care. They do not care. If you start talking too much to a certain extent, you will get suicided or like heart attacked or like whatever it is that they be doing. To people. What, speaking of all that, what do you think about Robin Williams? Um, I think that there is a ton more to the than depression, in my opinion. But I do think he probably did suffer a little bit of depression. They always say that like the funniest ones are the ones that are hurting the most inside, and that's true to an extent. It might also be the crying and screaming ones too, though, <laughs> and mean, not the ones that are like laughing and and have millions and millions of dollars. Right. I mean. I, I would just, you know, I really could probably do an episode just on that. But, like, there are so many deaths that have been suicide that are just absolutely not. Like, I was just on the Cult of Conspiracy podcast and I was talking to them very briefly about Marilyn Monroe and how it absolutely 100% without a shadow of a doubt was not a suicide. And this has happened how many times where somebody's, like, drugged, clubbed, thrown out of a window oopsie they're dead or something to that effect Red and tie. It's, yeah. not, it's not a suicide it's not a genuine suicide yeah absolutely yeah the red tie club i think about that too how many people hung um, themselves I mean, on a doorknob yeah on the same thread too what about you ever looked in the Patton oswald because i remember uh, very similar accusations about him and his girlfriend slash wife uh, no, but I mean, I've of course looked into like the bathtub drownings and the 23 club and all these supposed or like drug overdoses or stuff like this. Um, you know, I could probably do a whole episode just on uh, Kurt Cobain and like Janis Joplin and these people who were getting clean and then mysteriously died of like a massive, 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 massive overdose of drugs that there would be no fucking way in the world that they would have given themselves. And so it's just like, you think you're safe, but you're really fucking not. And for me personally, I get it. You get to live on in infamy. It's like in the fucking sandlight. You remember what they say? Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And that's the fucking bargain they've made. They will be remembered into the sands of time. Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, you name... Um, well, it's fucking Britt like, Murphy, like all these people, but they yeah. had well, to think about this, uh, like the old, old, old religions that I still think that our elites still follow and things like that. Um, 
they there would be these ultimate sacrifices, right? They would sacrifice this person to the deity, and then they were they were worshipped and they were like celebrated. This person died, so yeah, it's just making me think of like like how we um, celebrate them after they die so young. It is it's almost like a public sacrifice, and in my opinion, I, I think they are being publicly sacrificed. And then we like say, oh, look at this wonderful person mm-hmm. that we and and they do because because I mean, Kurt Cobain, his music was good, but if he hadn't died, he would have just been a fucking has been. And he would have just been like another fucking band. Like, I don't give a shit about the Foo Fighters. Right. But if, See, but that's if- the thing. That's the price. Because if you look at, I'm going to take it like really far back, but not too far back. Edgar Allan Poe. Do you think that anyone would give a fuck about his poetry? Give a fuck about making documentaries about him? Give a fuck about putting him on fucking Halloween decor? If he wouldn't have died mysteriously the way that they, I did a whole episode on Edgar Allan Poe because people are like, oh, he had rabies. Oh, he was this. He was that. He was this. And he died all mysteriously, almost uh, in a macabre way, like the poetry that he wrote. And what, then all what was the blew up. What's the mysterious way that he died or or there's just a bunch of different theories on how he died. There's like 50 different theories on what his cause of death could have been. Because the doctors could not figure it out. And they wrote some ominous fucking thing on his death certificate. And well, there, what did I like, find like bits and pieces of him or, or what? No, he lived in the hospital with some obscure ass illness or some type of injury for, I want to say three or four days before he succumbed to whatever it was. And the doctors wrote, um cerebral inflammation on his death certificate but it turned out that that's not what it was at all somebody said that he um had rabies another person said that he died of pneumonia another person said that he had been a victim of what they call cooping where you get drugged and like bashed over the head they change your clothes and they send you in to vote in the voting booth like over and over and over again for a specific candidate so they'll like drug you and keep changing your clothes and putting disguises on you and keep sending you into the voting booth to vote for the candidate yeah that's how we used to do halloween yeah i mean legitimately there are these wild ass fucking theories on what happened to him that got him into the state he was in where he died in the hospital but if that would have never happened and edgar Allan poe would have just died a 96 year old warm in his bed would people idolize him the way that they do? I don't think so. Well, it's a business plan, right? So, like, people still buy Nirvana shirts, right? Someone's making money off of Michael that. Jackson shirts. Yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. So, like, yeah. Kurt Cobain's not making money because he's fucking dead. So what you want to do is you want to get the artist, blow him up, get him out of the way, and then you take in the royalties for the rest yeah, of Yeah, you got to make sure you own the estate. You have all the... I'm sure exactly, the record, yeah. I'm sure the record labels are doing good on Nirvana and whatever else. Um. Well, and if you think of it too, kind of like what you were saying, Nate, is there is this weird religious and spiritual aspect to what happens because, in my opinion, it's a weird form of idolatry what we do to celebrities, and absolutely, I think that we legitimately worship the the ground that these people walk on and. For what? They're literally just another human being. If I was given the opportunity, if a lot of people were given the opportunity, we could do amazing things, but we don't have that power behind us that's pushing us forward. So 
Is it that they are selected and then used in these specific ways, but they're sucking energy from us that, you know, we're buying this stuff. We're listening to the music. We're watching the movies. We're consuming everything that these people are doing to mm-hmm. like a, a ritualistic degree. It's broadly casted, you know, the broadcast and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's all, it's all ritual and spell. I mean, to me, it's all just, it's absolutely magic. Um, and you know, what's fascinating too is, uh, there was something that you had touched on when you were talking to Mark, you were talking about just acting in general uh, to me. Like I've always looked at actors. I'm like, you're just paid liars. You know, to me, mm-hmm. you're just up there and you're actually faking, pretending to be something. And the better liar you are, the more money you can make, the more valuable you yeah. are. Lying. But there's also something too, like, cause you were talking about the method acting and when he played, uh, Thomas, who's that guy? A man on the moon. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. When he was playing Andy Kaufman, it actually really fucked him up because Mm -hmm. he was he was doing the method acting and he was like he couldn't break it. Even after the movie was over, he almost couldn't fucking break it. And I've heard so many times about especially like writers and I've heard this about actors where it it is a form of channeling that they do. They actually almost in like they take the character of that person like whoever they are like and they almost become an avatar and mm-hmm. like absorb that character and it, it they're channeling that person that they're playing and they become that person they it's a weird spiritual game that they, i think that they're playing um it's it's like I a agree. form of possession almost they're like allowing that in them mm-hmm but you have to think and take it to the next level like when he played the mask what do you think he was channeling in to get that kind of energy? You know, when when you play a, a demon-possessed person in a movie. Linda Blair, the little girl who played Reagan in the original 1977 Exorcist movie, is still fucked up to this day. She's like a 70-year-old lady. Still can't get past what she had to go through. She broke her back in that movie. She said she was. Oh, cursed. shit. Yeah. She said she was cursed after she made that movie. Well, and, she did like um, fuck herself with a crucifix. And, and <laughs> it, I'm mean, about it. You, you're doing this ritualistic shit for the enjoyment of an audience who knows nothing about you and could care less about you. And the thing is, after that movie was made, she was never the same again. And everybody else went back to their normal life. Yeah. And there was actually a scene in the original Exorcist movie where she's getting this uh, radiographic scan or something where they inject the iodine crap into your jugular vein. I don't even know what it's called. I am like the least medical person ever. But there was an assistant in that scene that held her down and put the straps on her and cleaned the area and um that guy went on to later murder the older sister from the poltergeist movie i got a serious question here so like we're talking about linda blair and how the movie probably you know screwed up for life essentially is there something different about linda blair and the movie exorcist versus if we just went on the internet right now and searched for you know woman does something with crucifix we like there would be lots and lots of 
results probably some that have you know tens of millions of views mm -hmm. so is there like are all of them going to break their backs too and are they inviting something or is it something that was like special about being in a hollywood movie that makes linda blair different or is it just that no one else knows about the other people i think the whole hollywood in itself thing has another level to it because if i was to make a movie in my living room about people getting possessed by demons first off nobody's gonna watch it it's gonna be terrible quality i don't have the black magic cameras which why are they called black magic cameras i don't have fucking audio i don't have all this special effects and all this shit right they've put so much money this babylonian money magic thing they've put so much money behind hollywood they've invested all this time and effort into making you think you're in the movie. When you go to the movies or you watch a movie, you almost become a part of it. You lose sense of time when you watch movies and you'll be like, damn, that was a three hour movie? Like, holy shit, where have I been? I watched the fucking new Avatar movie, the water benders or whatever the fuck. And I was like, I can't believe that was a three hour long movie. It like flew by. You lose time, you lose, it's, it's literally, you're you're getting uh what do they call it? like in a trance like state when yeah, you staring watch into like those yeah it's staring into this black mirror that fucking the mm -hmm. tv that you're watching this on i mean the computer that we're talking on right now yeah you absolutely get absorbed your attention and i and i think that they're i think that they've definitely studied that and i think they've perfected that how to get your attention and keep your attention keep you focused and then I, I honestly like just like the way they use sound and frequency. I think it is. It's almost like a way of like hypnotizing you, like you said, and making you absorb this like the mm -hmm. energy and what and the storyline and the narrative that they're trying to give you. And then, of course, all the narrative that's underneath that that you don't even pick up consciously. It's all subconsciously. Right. And then I mean, they're they're master mind controllers. They've used binaural beats and they've used bright flashing lights so on a lower scale we're all getting clockwork the fuck oranged every time we watch a movie but we don't see it as that because it's not torturous we actually enjoy doing it but we're still hearing the music we're still getting bright colors flashing in our fucking faces and anytime you watch a marvel movie or something like that there's usually even a little warning at the beginning like in really small letters and it's like warning if you have seizures this movie contains bright flashing colors or da 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 literally will set you off into a seizure if you're not fucking careful and so what i always tell people is when you look back at some of these i'm a horror movie fan so when you look back at some of these the song and the score of some of these movies are more iconic than the movie itself halloween Poltergeist, The Exorcist with tubular bells. Do you know that they've used tubular bells, the song in The Exorcist, and like a bunch of weird fucking ritualistic stuff, um, you know, playing in the background? And there was even this, um, it was like a play about sick kids going through a pandemic and they're all dead and like dying in the bed and shit. And the angel of death is like swooping over them and they're playing tubular bells throughout that scene. So you associate something like that in your mind with like death and it's just, it's triggering. I, I want to say it was Isaac Weishaupt that did a, he did a special on Hocus Pocus like a couple years back. 
and he was just breaking down like like even some of the actors that played in the movie can they can be traced back to uh like you're talking uh, about Sarah Jessica Parker because yeah, one be of her grandmothers was in the the Salem witch trials yep and uh which is super fascinating and and the actual that book and the ritual and the spell that they did the spell was an actual fucking witchcraft spell to do like some wild shit and that they actually like it's re like they use real shit in there and they make you think it's just a cutesy little movie that you can watch mm -hmm. with your kids and that that was playing on nickelodeon all the fucking time when i was a kid i watched that all the time me too i love me that too. fucking movie me too and the, so everyone accuses me of being a hypocrite around this time of year because i'm so big into halloween and a lot of people don't know a lot about me so i guess at surface level and i'm guilty of doing this myself they judge me for that but um my mom was actually my best friend my entire life like we did everything together we were besties she loved halloween she made a very magical time of my life as a kid and she passed away not too long ago and so every time around this year i always feel like when i do all the halloween stuff like it just makes me feel close to her again and so whatever but so at surface level, you'd say I was a hypocrite because I always talk about how Halloween is demonic and it's like letting stuff, you're inviting stuff in and da, 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 da. But I do feel like there is a level of what your intent is and what your intentions are when you do certain things versus I like to watch scary movies and I like to dress up like Lydia Dietz. Am I invoking the devil? I don't think so. But I mean, there is you know, a level of tolerance, I guess you would say. There's a level of tolerance, and I think a level of intent. Like, I mean, there's like I consider myself a Christian. I was born Me and too. raised a Christian. Uh, I'm a weird, esoteric kind of Christian. I have all kinds of kooky ass beliefs at this point. Um, but some Christians will call you a hypocrite if you have a Christmas tree. And you know, and I get that there are like some ties to like some pagan worship, and maybe you know they have a point. They have a point. Sure, but is to me they have a, a great point, dude. The Christmas Thomas. tree is the farthest thing from a Christian practice that I could imagine. That's not to say it's bad. I don't. I don't think it's inviting anything bad. But that's specifically it's very, very, a Christmas very... tree uncreated to have is, a tree but what is under what, to me what is what's the intent i want to have some ambiance i want to have some like hey this is what i grew up with. like christmas is my fucking favorite time of the year i love christmas i want the tree as soon as possible it has to be a real tree i have to be able to smell that fucking that sap i get i, right, I put right, like a okay. minimum of a thousand lights on my fucking tree so like, you're like Clark like National well, Lampoon's vacation. Yeah, I try guy. for sure. It's very vacant, bro. Whole I'm time. just saying. It's I've incredibly... got in my fucking in my my, my because fucking... you just consider that that whole like the the Clark Griswold approach, right? Of like I'm gonna have more lights than my neighbors. It's like this display of affluence, which would be very typical for like an agricultural. Like when you're like, I have to smell that tree. Just imagine it's 2000 years ago and someone's like, I got to smell that baby burning. Everyone, you know, this is that time of year. It's just what my grandparents did. And it's how we were raised. We always went and watched you the know, babies burn together as a family. That baby fat smelled pretty goddamn good. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, listen, like listen. Bacon, where you just like <laughs> the same way you are about Christmas is the same way I am about Halloween. 
Halloween. You know, when I light my first fucking pumpkin spice candle of the year, I get like this weird high off of it. I'm like, oh, it's spooky season. I, I would argue but, that Christmas is maybe worse than Halloween. Like if you're concerned about it, Halloween is like more innocent in that way. Well, I, I will say with either one, whether you're talking about like Easter, Halloween, Christmas, there's this, um, you know, stream of paganism running through all of them. And sometimes I think that they are weaponized to make us love them so much because of the nostalgia. You know, if we grew up in a different country where they didn't celebrate some of this shit, we wouldn't give a crap about christmas or we wouldn't give a crap about halloween but it's it's almost like a cultural thing in the u.s that during these seasons there's certain things that you want to do and so i think as a nation specifically you know the united states has been demonized almost like the most utmost extent with everything holidays traditions Movies, music, culture. They're jealous and we're the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unironically, but yes. Yes. I kind of disagree with that a I'm little sorry, bit. Though. The entire rest of the world, we're better than you and we live better than you. <laughs> well, hold on. We're really, really quick. I want to hear what Tony has to say, but well, also yeah. like a lot of that has to do with affluence. Like, whenever people are complaining about like the modernization of Christmas, I don't want to go back to when Christmas was truly about, thank God we like lived this year and thank God, you know, like we actually made it through the, the worst season ever. And we might actually survive until next year. That was what the big celebration was about. It was like, I didn't die again. Um, but now it's like the celebration is more superficial because we don't worry about the same stuff. It's Sorry, like, how ahead. many Xboxes can I give out this year? You know, <laughs> I mean, everybody's family's got some funky ass fucking limit. Like, we're not going over $50 this year. And then you have to, you I mean, know, that's not a necessity when I was a kid. Like, I was lucky if I got like a pack of playing cards. Yeah, no, my my Christmases weren't like off the charts <laughs> or anything, but it was like you, you, you enjoyed all the shit leading up to Christmas Day. So, like, in my house, starting December 1st, it was like cookies and decorating and music and um, going out and, um, doing like the all the christmas shit like you go look at lights and you you know go around the neighborhood that's some and, good yeah. free shit yeah my yeah. mom was taking me around to look at lights she was yes. also we'd go into nice neighborhoods and she'd take me to go dumpster diving and oh, these oh, are yeah, like yeah. my memories fuck yeah my mom was like give me a boost tossing me in there all right get something good <laughs> we did Pro tip, you do that like a two weeks after christmas you know, we yeah. go to like the quote unquote rich neighborhood for Halloween trick or treating. We'd be like, oh, we're going to go where all the doctors live for a trick or treat. Yeah, they're giving away full size candy bars and like. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. There was a lady who made these beautiful homemade candy apples every Halloween. But, anyways, that's a long story. Tony, you say what you were going to say. Well, okay. Yeah. You're kind of getting that though. Like, I think that we're seasonal creatures and we don't like not to like. During Christmas, it makes sense to chop down a tree and put it inside your house because all your windows are closed, your doors are closed, all your air is stale. So, yeah, I want to have something to freshen the air. And, like, during Halloween, things are starting to die all around us. And not to acknowledge that, not to be like, oh, all the trees are losing their leaves. I live in Florida, so I don't acknowledge any of that. Okay, (laughs) yeah. But, but like, okay, but, yeah, depends on where you live. But I think there's, like, there's an element of just recognizing where we are in time in relation to like our lives and like incorporate some spiritual element to that. 
and like you can call that pagan or whatever but like to me that's just like that is spirituality and then you can have fun with it and like you know watch some horror movies and whatnot and like that's cool and i mean there's a dark side to all of this stuff like you can rebirth and the whole yeah exactly yeah like you got eggs you hide around the yard for easter because you have eggs you know you don't do you should all be pagan Let's well, do it. I mean, we're all pagan at some level. Yeah, you already are, really man. I hate to break it to both of you guys, but you're you are pagan <laughs> as fuck. I like fuck what you. my Christmas tree because... is Christian. Okay, Jesus was hung on a fucking Christmas. Tree. <laughs> I got Jesus on the top of that tree. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I think what Tony said is actually very nice because God made the seasons for a reason, and we should celebrate each one. Maybe not in the way that we do, but I think that each season has the the weird beautiful things about them you know because in the summertime i always dread it because i fucking hate summertime but when it gets here i'm cool with it because it's fourth of july and we get to light off fireworks and eat too many hot dogs and go out on the boat and do all the things so there's Don't you this... live in like georgia is i live in oklahoma okay that's why you hate summer i live in, yeah. i live in oregon so that summer is the only fucking time we see Dude, sun. no fucking way it's like 120 in the summertime and you just step outside and you're fucking sweating and homicidal as fuck like i will kill you do not speak to me right now i'm sweating from places i didn't know you could sweat from my fucking eyelids are sweating right now please do not speak to me so i wait for this time of year i thrive in the fall that's my fucking jam right there. But I'm also wearing a witch hat. So I'm maybe a hypocrite <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. Oh, fall's the best time of year. Indian summers are the best time of year where it's not as hot as it was. And I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get one this year. It's pretty fucking, well, you know what? There's some sun out there. Uh, but yeah, th- no, it's absolutely the best time of year. September is my favorite fucking month. Um, I even got married in October at a haunted hotel because I'm just morbid like that. But I was going to say, I know we kind of tangented and I love a good tirade, but like with Jim Carrey and like his whole career and shit. I don't know if you guys watched the number 23, but I made a lot of connections back to some of his other movies after I watched the number 23. Are you guys familiar with it at all? I have not watched it, but I'm familiar with the concept. Thomas, you've seen this, right? Yeah, I think I've seen like every movie. I've even seen Once Bitten, so I've seen like every Jim Carrey movie ever. Yeah, so when I did this research, I watched a couple that I had never watched before. One of them was called Earth Girls Are Easy, and it was just like, uh, it was like almost god awful, but it had Jeff Goldblum in well, it. You didn't get to play Jim Carrey in any of those movies. No, yeah, he was like an extra. There's actually one called Peggy Sue Got Married that has a lot of Masonic shit in it. And he's just a background character and he's like Nicolas Cage's bestie in that movie and has almost no role whatsoever. But again, there's all this Masonic weird shit about time traveling and rituals and all this crap. But in the number 23, there's this this whole enigma in real life called the 23 enigma where uh, 
people get obsessed with the number and they start seeing it everywhere throughout their life and they start adding shit up in their life and it comes back to equal 23. And Jim Carrey was actually already obsessed with the 23 Enigma before they asked him to be in this movie. So and he probably freaked out when they asked him to be. Yes. In it. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, he freaked out. But if you watch the movie, they included all this real life shit in it, like about the Oklahoma City bombing, how the dates added up to 23, how the um, the guy, the shooter guy, like his birthday or something added up to 23 and 23, this 23, that. And they included like all this stuff in the movie about actual things that had happened. And if you look into astrology, the the dog star Sirius is represented by the number 23. And there is a lot of references to Sirius in Jim Carrey's work, especially in the Truman Show. And um, there's also, if we're talking about like Sirius the dog star being representative of the number 23 if you even look back to ace venture a pet detective he's the first scene he's saving a dog in this apartment or whatever dumb and dumber they ride around in this sheep dog car and the one guy is like a dog groomer and um the mask you know the dog max he puts on the mask um he he jumps into the harbor at the end of the movie to like go get the mask and um, in the movie, The Mask, he actually goes to the psychiatrist and he's like, I want to understand what the power is behind the mask. And they talk about how it's probably got something to do with Loki and this North mythology or whatever. And then you find out that Sirius is actually considered to be the torch of Loki. So there's another weird Sirius reference in that movie. And then you go to the Truman Show, and right before the big pinnacle moment where he starts realizing he's trapped in a dome, he leaves his house to go to work in the morning, and this Dalmatian jumps up on him and is, like, pawing him, and he's trying to get away from the dog. And a light fixture falls from the sky, falls down, and it crashes in front of his house, and he goes over to it, and on the canister, it says Sirius 9, and in parentheses, it says K-A-N-I-S, which is, like, Latin for dog. So it says Sirius, dog, and then, like, the number 9, and so we're getting another, like, Sirius dog star reference, and... um in Bruce Almighty, he has a dog named Sam that he can't get to go out to the bathroom. And um, I actually think that's in reference to, like, the son of Sam because he said he got his messages from dogs. So um, even going further, there was this thing I was talking to Mark about, and it's the canine hero from 9-11. Do you guys remember that shit? They mm -hmm. would... They said like there was this canine hero and supposedly it was the only canine that perished in the heroic act of saving all these people from the, the burning towers. And um, that dog's name happens to be Sirius. Um, and there's just all these connections back to 23 and back to astrology and back to this dog star. But if you look back in ancient, ancient, ancient civilizations, I'm talking about Gigantia in Malta 
Um, I'm talking about the pyramids in Egypt, uh, Gobekli Tepe, all these places built massive monuments in alignment with Sirius to worship Sirius. So you have to wonder if there's not this fucking dark occultism running through even the funniest of movies and you don't even realize it because you're not, you don't understand the symbolism and I hate to use this quote, but symbolism will be their downfall is something that people say a lot. And it's fucking true as fuck, because if you don't know what to look for, you'll never understand to the degree we've been manipulated. It is fascinating because they already have put out all of these movies. And to me, I think that's why, you know, this is something that James Evan Pilato says, uh, one of my favorite people, shout out to the media monarchy. He says that physical media is king because all of these movies now that they're they're I mean, if they were going to try to occult some of these, uh, even trying to hide some of the, the Easter eggs that they've been giving us for years, um, all of these movies now they own and they stream and things like that. And they can alter and they can change. Um, it, it is really, really fascinating. I would like to think that people are starting to wake up and they're going to start seeing some of these symbolism. They're going to start watching these old movies and they're going to start, you know, waking up and see that they've been uh, hiding these things for years and years and years. But I also don't have very much faith in humanity. And I-, <laughs> I, I don't I don't either, because, you know, even I've done a lot of work with Stanley Kubrick movies going all the way to Full Metal Jacket, which is one that a lot of people leave out about, like how you're programmed in the military, how boot camp can turn you into a Manchurian candidate and like all this stuff about Stanley Kubrick films. And you would think at this point, even the most obvious shit in The Shining would you'd be able to just be like hey you know you could look into this you know it wasn't really twins in the book Stephen King never really meant for it to be twins the room of you know room 237 it wasn't 237 in the book you know like why did he change those certain things why is he wearing an Apollo sweater why is this why is that and they'll just look at you like are you done talking now because this is the stupid it's like it's a movie it's a movie like they they're not it's just like i i'm not, i'm not going to say i've just given up because i still have my podcast and i still want to reach new people it's just i'm not dedicating a lot of time to reaching new people i'm cool with just chilling with people who are already on my level that i can just download all this shit onto and they'll openly accept it I'm more wanting to find more of those kind of people. Hey, because I'm a weird motherfucker. Come over to the Cosmic Peach podcast. We can be weird together. But that's the kind of shit I'm interested. I want to like build on my already profound fucking theories about shit. I don't want to have to like convince someone of theories I already have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the crazy conversations that we have, the only type of people that are going to appreciate them are going to be nutty schizos like me so uh yeah um yeah we, it's so true we developed a certain type of audience so uh i love all my audience uh. <laughs> i love my audience too you know they send me stuff all the time they send me stuff on instagram and they send me stuff on patreon and i'll watch it and be like fuck yeah like i didn't know anything about this uh, there was uh, recently one that somebody sent me, and as a, a Christian, you will appreciate this. They sent me 50 Mandela effects from the Bible. 
And they were astounding because they were things that I say all the time, like spare the rod and spoil the child. Uh, Supposedly not in the Bible, according to this Mandela effect thing. There was another scripture where it said something about like, uh, I don't know. I'll send you the video, but it's stuff that you and I would know or have said at one point as being biblical. And in this video, it's saying it was a Mandela effect that you can't find it anywhere in the Bible. So, yeah, there is a lot to that. Um, I mean, like the lion and the lamb, there's something with that too. I there, know that that yes, that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I, sometimes I wonder how much of that actually ever was in the Bible. And because I know the church that I grew up in, like was just very indoctrinated and had a, had a bunch of like, like Christian Zionists, uh, like uh-huh. death cult kind of bullshit, you know? And so like, we had all kinds of weird, you know, they would tell us all kinds of crazy shit. And we just had to sit there and be like, you, you couldn't question the the Sunday school teacher. I mean, I would get kicked out of Sunday school all the time, but. Well, you know, I got the benefit of my, my grandfather was actually a reverend. So he built a church with his bare hands and then he built a little house next to it. So we'd actually get a lot of people from church, go over to my grandparents' house. And I never know who would be over there. Cause they had like an open door policy, like come and go, you know, if you need something. Um, and he was an amazing, amazing man. And, um, he used to, uh, he was so funny because he's a reverend and he's not supposed to like want to scare me, but he used to tell me these stories about casting demons out of people and, and all. And I would just be like, oh my God, I'm going to do that one day. And in my own way, I still feel like I'm casting out demons, even though I'm just exposing them on a podcast. But I my mom had me casting out demons from the time I was like before, almost by the time I could walk. And I could talk. <laughs> My mom was like, all right, in the name of Jesus. Like, and we were like putting hands yeah, on you. Know, me too. Kind of wild. Wait, 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 wait. Like, what, where were you finding demons out as a kid? Like, what, what like, was that? You mean? could say it over we, we anything. Would take it to, like, Old Town. Like, we'd go to, like, So you just walk up to people and just, like. Well, we go pray with homeless people and we go okay, like, okay, I get that. people and we'd be like bringing them sandwiches and talking to them and can we pray for you? And then we'd be like, we'd be like talking to them like, Hey, I feel there's a demonic presence in your life. Can I pray? Can I pray for you? Yep. And okay. I would sit there and I would cast out those demons out of these guys and they'd be like rolling around on the ground and. Like yeah. I was casting out demons from the time I was a little kid. I, I like, literally we'd have these like pop-up tent revivals, and people would come that yeah. had never been there before. And they would be strangers. And you know, my grandpa would be like, I, I feel like there's tents. there's something with you. And we we'd all like lay hands on them and like we rebuke you. And like <laughs> so that's how I grew up. That feels like home to me. (laughs) So even as a conspiracy theorist, I've just expanded my love for for my faith, like throughout this journey. And um, I've actually done several uh, episodes on the Nephilim and I've dug in deep. I'm talking I've dug in Gary Wayne deep to this shit. And I have my own set of episodes that are completely apart from Gary, although he has been a guest on my show several times. And um, I, I believe that we're being controlled by the descendants of these Nephilim beings. And a lot of the stories you hear about like human animal chimeras, like Bigfoot, like 
you know, serpents in the sea. You're on the right, you're on the right podcast. We're going to have to do a whole episode on this. So we're going to have to have you back on for that. Yeah, no, I do. I believe we are being enslaved by the descendants of the Nephilim. And we are actually uh, um, bending over and taking it from them. I mean, we're getting ready to see a massive deception of extraterrestrial life that's going to come back and they're going to say these are the gods of old who helped build the pyramids and these are the gods of old that you know our ancestors worshipped and walked amongst and they're going to give us superpowers and they're going to give us advanced technology and they're going to do all these things for us and we are going to worship them like gods because they're going to everybody wants to see aliens everyone wants this big reveal of what's been flying around in the sky. What are UFOs? And so when they introduce these beings to us, we're going to be like, oh my God. But it's, you know, the the Nephilim had shape-shifting capabilities. They could look like anything they wanted to. And we see that actually in the Bible all over the place because it'll say like Lucifer was the most beautiful angel and he was the choir master and he did all these things, but he was also a serpent. So we know right off the bat, he can shape shift into different type of beings. Um, So I just feel like we're about to see this big extraterrestrial push and it's nothing more than just like Nephilim in disguise. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same Jewish pedophiles that are running the planet right now that are uh, using their shape-shifting abilities with that Nephilim blood. Yeah, absolutely. That is fucking fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I believe that a hundred percent, but again, people can, you know, say I'm wrong. They can say, you know, they have a better theory, whatever. And this is the part where maybe I'm different from everyone because I can't choose what somebody else's opinion is. I can't choose like whatever their path is, but I can tell you, I will choose mine. And I do, you know, at the end of the day when I'm dirt and I'm fucking dead and I'm fucking buried in a hole and my fucking corpse is rotting. I would hope that there's some beautiful place that my soul is headed to after this. And I don't want to fuck that up in the afterlife, you know? So I can't make somebody believe anything, but I'll tell you, I'm choosing to um, believe that, you know, I'm not going to turn into compost when I'm dead. Well, I think your body will, but I don't think that we are our body. Right. That's what I'm saying. I I don't think that it's lights out at the end of life. I think there's so many things that go on around us that prove that there's more after we die. And I've recently got this bug up my ass where I'm re-watching every season, every episode of Ghost Adventures for whatever fucking reason, because I have Discovery Plus now. And a lot of these places that they investigate are like in the Hollywood Hills. And they're talking about uh, portals. And they're talking about they don't understand why there's so much demonic energy in the Hollywood Hills and da-da-da. And I'm like, really? You don't understand why there's so much demonic portal activity in the Hollywood Hills. Really? Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, they've probably sacrificed a gazillion people out there. There's fucking, you could be walking down the strip and just like walk into a fucking portal at this point. How many babies are getting eaten like a go-gurt right now? (laughs) They just don't understand why there's all this paranormal activity. I'm I'm a little concerned that like, let's say that everyone, you know, dies and we all meet up again. But 
but if it were like a hundred years ago, right, everyone would have such like a, a big variety of different experiences. But now if like everyone dies and we all go back up there, it's like everyone's seen the same TV shows and seen the same movies <laughs> and like we've got the internet. So when someone's like, hey, have you ever heard about this? Cra-? Like, dude, this crazy, you know, uh, village out here where like the, the boys mm-hmm. go off with the uncles and come back men. Have you ever heard? And then Nate's like, you yeah, know, I heard about that. Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. And I don't know. It's <laughs> it, it feels like it would just be boring after a while because at a certain point, everyone's just talking about real housewives. And then what happens if you try to kill yourself in heaven and get out of there? I don't know, man. That's, that's I, a fucking question, buddy. That yeah. That's the question of the hour. I feel like I'd find ways to keep myself entertained. But at the same time, the way the Bible describes it, I'm going to at least need the Wi-Fi password. Like, what is it? Milk and honey? I like the hot X. Like, what yeah. is I want to sh- shoot guns and toke dice, I think, Jesus said. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny if you think about it, because then you're like, you're going to be talking to someone from like 853 or something. Like, they have a completely different experience. There's going to be a lot of quarrels. Like, can you imagine, like, like, People just forget all these like things that people used to be pissed off about, but you hold on to that. So it's like, no, I don't think you hold on to stuff like that. But what I will say is actually, I think that our technology is not even a fraction of what they had in ancient times. So we'd actually be the dumb fucking cavemen up there. And they'd be like, we've had anti-gravity for fucking ever. You guys are living in our ruins. Like you thought that's what it really looked like. You dumb fucks. And they'd be like the crystal pyramids and we were doing all this free energy transmission and like t- communicating telepathically and fucking you guys just found the ruins and thought that's what it looked like. Like they think we were dumb fucks. So they're going to be dickheads to us? Yeah. <laughs> they'd, be like, just gonna yes, they us? they'd be like, they think that for 2023 and they have a fucking iPhone. They have to plug into the charger guys. <laughs> it would be like... I'm serious. We have not seen a fraction of what the technology was in ancient times, in my opinion. I like to think so. I also like to think that when we die and we go back up to whatever that is, that none of this fucking matters. That we don't like. I think the people that get hung up on this shit and get stuck in the physical and stuck with, uh, you know, even stuck in the trauma and things like that. Uh, and terrible things that happen to him. I think those are what ghosts are. That's like mm-hmm. the, the echoes of, and like those memories that are held onto. And I like to think that when we die and we go back to that big wild expanse that is like creation and everything and God, um, that none of this fucking matters. We don't hold on to any of this bullshit. We all kind of absorb it. And maybe like I like to think of heaven as like source. And so we bring all of our experiences and we're all kind of sharing everybody's experiences like in a fish good and bad. Yeah. in a big fish bowl and -hmm. we're all kind of connected. Um, And then I'm a weirdo Christian that actually believes in reincarnation. I think that we come back and I think that we have come back and that we've been, I know I'm a pagan. I'm a weirdo. I'm a Jesus loving Gnostic weirdo that Gnostic goober is what people call me. I got, I, I got I some struggle with comments the concept. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with the concept of reincarnation because I feel like I've seen genuine cases of reincarnation. I, yeah, I feel absolutely. like I've, I've been I've been pretty convinced in certain instances that someone has been reincarnated. So I struggle with that a little bit. But I will say, you know, like 
everyone hopes that they'll see like their dead loved ones on the other side. Like I said, my mom passed away. So I always think that she's always with me and like, she's looking down on me and she's like a guardian angel. And, um, I, I always hope like when I die, I'll go back up and see her or whatever. But at the same time, I have no idea what it is. I've gotten myself in this weird rabbit hole where I've started watching documentaries on near death experiences and like hear what people say that were floating over their body during surgery and their heart stopped and where did they go? And they always describe something like super amazing and magnificent. And I just hope that it's like that. And I don't have weird, like if you get shot in the head, are you a ghost because you don't know you're dead? I mean, I have so many questions about that shit because it's so instant. Like how, how do you go to a haunted house and have stuff like getting knocked off the, the shelves and hearing disembodied voices? Obviously that's some type of paranormal activity going on. What happened to those people to get stuck and how the fuck do I not get stuck? Cause I don't want to get stuck. Julia, have you done any ghost hunting at all yourself? Dude. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag on something I just did recently, but I will tell you, I lived for a, a time in a haunted house and I wasn't trying to do investigations in there, but I experienced such an abundance of paranormal activity in my personal life at my grandparents' house that I am a stouch believe that there is something that's, that's not able to be seen or it's not tangible, but will be a force in in like a haunted house quote unquote you know was it your grandparents that were haunting it or like someone they were still them? alive okay. and so the, the craziest thing about it is my grandpa like i said earlier built that house from nothing mm-hmm. right next to the church we were the only family who had ever lived there but was there we, a cemetery on that church nothing The only thing, and I was talking to Mark about it, is that it was really close to Lake Erie. And Lake Erie is a hotbed of UFO activity and Bigfoot sightings and all this weird stuff. And it was right on Lake Erie. And that water holds memory. It remembers everything it's been through. And so maybe there's something to do with even the elements when it comes to this. But, you know, I would see my family members walking around in the house and call to them or go up to them and it wouldn't be them. And I'm talking about living family members. Like it would look like my grandma or it would look like my cousin or it would look like my sister. And then you'd find out that they were never in the house whatsoever. Could it be you? I mean, like, okay, so if you die and whatever happens to you happens to you, but then you're out of time at that point. So could you go back and haunt yourself? And try to give yourself messages at some level. Tony, have you been listening to the show lately? Yeah, I've <laughs> definitely been talking about that shit, dude. I think you are, yeah, you're haunted by your memories, your reincarnations. Like, if, like, I, cause I do think you're haunting yourself. Like, people that have these paranormal experiences, like, say you were fucking, like, brutally fucking murdered in your past life. And you still, like, part of your spirit is holding on to that because of that memory that's, like, still uh like traumatized and so there's still a little bit of that in you and you're fucking like yeah i don't know i think there might be something to that i don't know but also what you're describing because you said multiple people in your family had that experience of Mm -hmm. seeing this whatever this was it it was almost like a trickster entity it was almost like something and it was mocking 
and well, also just like trying to pretend to be um, members yeah, of my family. And it was so, so my bedroom was like here and my grandma's bedroom was right across the hall here. And I slept in my bedroom alone with the door closed. My grandma did the same. And so every morning she would come out of her bedroom and we would all eat breakfast together and she would tell us who her visitor was that night. And she referred to them as visitors because she was a very, very Christian. We don't believe in ghosts, kind of. So she would just call them visitors. And she would quite often say, I was her visitor. And I would know it was not me. But she would say, uh, you know, Julia was my visitor last night. And she came into my room. And she stood at the foot of my bed and she was dancing for me. And I was so, I would not want to be freaking her out, but I was like, mama, I promise I, it wasn't me. She would see members of the, the family out in the yard walking around. She would see them in the basement. She, and I saw them too. My mom saw them. My aunt saw them. My sister saw them. My sister actually um, when my grandma was really, really sick and we were all taking care of her, she spent the night with us. She stayed in the bedroom with my grandma and um, I was messing around with her. But I was like, let's see if you see one of the visitors tonight. And she was like, oh, you know, fuck you. And I was kidding. But so in the middle of the night, she literally saw someone walking up and down, pacing the hallway. And it like creaked the door open to come into the bedroom. And it just stood there for the longest time. And my sister being very Christian was like rebuking it and casting the blood of Jesus all over it. And she said it, it kind of dissipated and walked back down the hallway, but like in a very creepy way, I won't get into it, but she couldn't even go back to sleep after that. And she was like, I laid awake all night praying because the TV didn't work. And I was laying in complete darkness and she literally lay like a statue in bed until she saw the sun coming through the window. That's how terrified she was. When you said she was casting the blood of Jesus, is that like just holy water? Is it wine or is it just no, like a it's, just, it's like a verbal, like, um, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus all over you is what we say in my family. And that's like saying you can't cross this line because I'm protected by the blood of Jesus. So like no evil entities can come like, in. I'm rubber, your glue. Like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but it just, every experience people had in that house was like something really negative and horrifying and malicious and, trying to scare you so i honestly wonder if you know something maybe my grandpa did cast a demon out of somebody at the church and it came back home with him or something like was there something living in the house that was inhuman yeah yeah we'll never know that stuff is so fascinating yeah we we definitely we like to dig into the paranormal on this podcast and those are some fucking fun stories um Julia, it's been about an hour and a half. Uh, is there any more things that you got to drop? Like, is there any more hammers you got to drop on us with Jim Carrey? Did we miss some, some vital info or any? Um, so I would invite everyone to go and look up an address. Let me find the address here. This is Thomas, Jim you Carrey's might even be able to pull uh, this up because you were talking about some Zillow photos. Yes, I found it on Zillow. I have the address right here. I was actually, you want to do this, like yeah. screen share this? 
Yeah, so the, it would maybe I'm having problems cool. with my computer right now. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but even if you can't screen share, I would just invite the listeners to go on Zillow and look for the address 615 North Tiger Tail Road in Los Angeles, California. This is Jim Carrey's personal residence. There's a lot of artwork you're going to want to look at in there. Of, of course, it's all Jim Carrey original artwork. Uh, there's the altar room that I was mentioning before. And there's also a still shot of his theater room that I found to be very interesting. And I got into this on my podcast, but I didn't bring it up to Mark. And the still shot of his theater room is projecting a very specific movie. And it's uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. And if anybody knows anything about me and the research I've done on Stanley Kubrick, that is esoteric as fuck. It's dark occult. It's all the things. And to have that movie playing, you know, if somebody was going to do a house tour of Jim Carrey's house and go to his theater room of all the movies he's been in, of all the movies that people know from him, it's like, let's let's do a still shot of Liar Liar or let's do a still shot of The Mask. No, he's playing 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. And it's the scene where the monkeys taste human flesh for the first time or whatever and they start beating the other monkeys with like bones and shit it's just it? so iconic yes there we go so i feel like it looks very scandinavian um very modern has, yeah yeah he has like white on white on white white couch white walls white light fixtures um and then his original artwork so weird fucking that whole motif is creepy. I don't like the map on the on the ground and the weird chairs. It reminds me of school. That's a lot of counter space. I like the kitchen. It for someone as colorful as Jim Carrey, I'm surprised at how dull the inside of his home is. It looks like a, an yeah. IKEA house. It does, it does look does like an IKEA house. An right? IKEA house. Yeah. Actually, if you go back. Um, there's a there's a piece of his artwork that I always say like you can kind of see his mental illness in. I don't know if we've seen it yet. Okay, keep going. I must have uh, gotten to it later on. Yeah, keep going. I mean, I don't know. Okay, so this is actually his bedroom. If you go back, every morning he wakes up to a portrait he painted himself of Queen Elizabeth. Which I find to be odd, you know. The lizard queen herself. The lizard queen, you know, you're waking up first thing in the morning and you're gazing into a portrait you've painted of Queen Elizabeth. Out of all of his other artwork, that stood out to me. Um, his bedroom is white on white. Like, there's nothing that's like, you know, I would live that's in this bathroom, sweet. but that's besides the point. Um, let's see. Another guest bedroom, office. It's kind of fucking ugly. If oh, I had all the money in the world. So yeah. this is his theater room. It's a still shot of 2001 A Space Odyssey playing. And he has a portrait of himself as Shakespeare, which let's not get into Francis Bacon and all that shit. We don't even have enough time in this episode to go over Shakespeare and the Nephilim connection. But we're going to just say... That's significant. He's painted himself as Shakespeare. He's watching 2001 A Space Odyssey. Now, this is his bar area. 
He has all of the costumes of all of the characters he's ever played encased in glass somewhere in his house. So right now we're looking at the Riddler, but he also has the Grinch. He has, you know, XYZ. And here is our altar room. You That's tell me. fucking weird. Now that you've seen the rest of the house, that this doesn't stand out as a The door looks like a morgue, too. Those look like um, morgue drawers that, like, bodies would be do, in. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and it it does stand out, and it's completely different from the the entire rest of the house. The oh, rest just of the one house shot of that one. Like Every that. other room's got like three or four perspectives. This one's like you just get a. This one you just get one, and what's <laughs> odd to me is like he has like ISIS statues right next to the cum towels. Right next to these little purple towels. Purple is significant to the dark occult, but he also has this sink, a marble sink. In mirrors everywhere, and it's just like, what are you doing in there, man? Is that a bathroom, though? It's not a bathroom. Okay. Mm-mm. It'd no, be a weird fucking bathroom. It would be, but it's, yeah. I mean, I don't have, like, a fucking, like, Adonis physique. I wouldn't want that many mirrors in the bathroom. I wouldn't want to see that many, like side profiles of myself getting in and out of the shower. And I honestly but... wonder based on the <laughs> shape of the room, like if it's not octagonal in nature. So maybe he had that room specifically built for him. But um, he has these weird sculptures on the grounds uh, where it looks like somebody's opening a portal like he has this one right here where it's like opening windows to nowhere and then there's another sculpture where it's like a lady opening up something and it's just leading to nowhere um he has like like a bedroom outside which is cool it's right here but you can tell he's really involved he probably goes out there to meditate or pray or do whatever he does it's also in a very secluded area, so that's interesting. Um, you can see, like, there's just trees and shit all around it. Um, but I don't, I don't know where the photo is. But in the very beginning of the tour, there is a photo of his one of the living rooms, and it's a painting that he created that says, "He's so funny, somebody should stop him." And it's almost as if to show you what where his mind is at. Oh, there it is. It looks like it's almost like James Dean or something, but it's it if you look closer, it's Jim Carrey. It's the blue one on the okay. wall right there. And it I says want you to stop him. Yeah, he's so funny. And then on the other side it says, Somebody should stop him. And so Maybe he's always been mentally disturbed. I don't know, but I think that's interesting. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy, and I I would like to have a conversation with him, especially now. He seems to, like, someone was telling me that he basically, I don't know if it was for a role or if he was just doing it to do it, that he, uh, <clears throat> like, went out into the desert for, like, a long period of time and just did his weight and psychedelics and just mm-hmm. did like a giant spiritual journey and uh, came back different. Yeah, he did this lecture that people share all over Instagram and Facebook. I'm sure someone at some point has seen a clip from this lecture 
where he spoke to a graduating class and he was talking about all of these, you know, things that anyone could apply to their life, but it was very inspirational. And there's such a part of me that loves him so much. And then there's another part of me that thinks he's just another pawn in this game of idolatry and you love him so much. And then there's all this other stuff going on in the background. And one of the things that he said in the lecture is that as funny as he is, his father was a much better comedian than, than Jim Carrey is and that his father was so much funny, more funny than he is. And he said that his father was so afraid of failure that he got a safe job as an accountant and that people always make decisions based on practicality, but it's really just fear. And if you can fail at something you're horrible at, then you should try to succeed at something that you love. So in my own way, I do agree with that. And that's what I do with my podcast. You know, do I work a nine to five job? Sure. Would I like to never have to punch a fucking clock again? Yes. So if I can fail at working a nine to five job, I might as well try to do this podcasting thing that I love so much that I get to meet so many cool people and, you know, just share cool shit with, you know, like-minded individuals. And so I would love to do this full-time one day. We'll see where it goes, but I don't hate Jim Carrey is what I'll say. Well, I think it's like Christians having a Christmas tree. It's all about intent, right? I think it, I think we can know that Jim Carrey is probably a dark, sick fuck. And I think that for him to have as much success as he's had, he's probably had to do some pretty horrible things. But we can love him for the memories that we had and the ideas. You know, I mean, what he was to us as a kid. Like, I fucking love Ace Ventura. Me too. My, I fucking love that movie. That's like the best fucking movie in the world. I uh, love so, Liar Liar. Yeah, you can keep that. I mean, I, I love me myself, uh, and, myself Irene. and Irene. D- Dumb and Dumber. Those are just, they're fantastic. So I think you can hold on to that and you can just have that in your mind and you can love him for what he was and those memories that you have of him. And I I don't think we actually, I mean, it's better that we don't know everything about him because Jesus Christ. I mean, people are fucking ugly and gross. I'm glad that, you know, we don't know everything about everybody because Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm right there with you because if you look at any actor, you're going to dig up some dirt on him eventually. You ever see the rumor a couple of years ago where he was trying to play Terrence McKenna in a movie? And I don't think it was a real movie. Really? But people, yeah. You know what? That maybe I think that's that. why he went and did that desert psychedelic shit. I think maybe he was kind of getting ready for. I think there was a connection with that with the Terrence McKenna stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. He'd be yeah. perfectly cast for it for sure. Yeah, well, now he's just Dr. Robotnik and Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I... I did I, not watch that movie. I don't think I, I missed mean, much. I he's not even... I, in my opinion, he's not even trying anymore. There was, like, a time where he went through a lull in his career and he did, like, Lemony Snickets or something like that, and I didn't fucking like that shit either. Well, they're not all going to be fucking... Uh... <laughs> They're not all going to be Fire Marshal Bill. I don't know who owns the rights to that, but a Fire Marshal Bill movie would be great for like a Jim Carrey that didn't care. And also Fire Marshal Bill is like an old guy, right? So it would kind of like work. Yeah, no, yeah, that would be awesome. 
Well, guys, let's throw some plugs. Cosmic Peach, you fucking killed it. Tell our audience where to find you, all that fun stuff. And we're going to have to have you back on. We're going to have to Thank have you, you back on to talk about Nephilim. We're going to have to have you come back to talk about some ghost stories. We're going to have to do some fun shit. So uh, tell our audience where they can find you. Thanks so much. And I'd be happy to join you anytime. It's cosmic.peach.podcast on Instagram. I'm always trying to grow it over there because I feel like I'm severely shadow banned. Um, nobody even can find this shit sometimes. And then I'm on YouTube, obviously. And then wherever you brown uh, with podcasts, you'll you'll find the Cosmic Peach there. Hell yeah. We're on uh, YouTube for now, but maybe this will be a death knell. Who knows? <laughs> I hope not. Thomas, what are you promoting tonight, buddy? Man, I got a couple things coming out. What big one that I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be officially dropping in a week from now on Friday the 13th, a comic called Frazzle Drip Funhouse. Uh, and if and if you like the way that sounds and you want more stuff like that out in the wild, you'll definitely uh, check it out. It'll be on Indiegogo. I'll post links elsewhere. The other big one is I'm putting together some packs for like Black Friday and for our pagan Christmas celebrations and including some of those is I got like these little pre-made packs of a bunch of different uh, like these are homunculus pamphlets but i got some mk ultras but i'm just putting together like a little combo i'm calling them paranoid uh parent paranoid propaganda packs it's a mouthful and uh i'm just gonna try and and push as many of these out into the holiday season as possible i would love for everyone at christmas to have a little homunculus pamphlet It'd be the coolest thing ever oh my gosh that reminds me i'm so glad you said that just super quick the whole month of october on my podcast i've kicked off the 2023 ghost jamboree so um i'm also having a friday the 13th special and all of the um seasonal favorites this month anyways go ahead hell yeah tony what do you got to promote buddy you you're working on a new book you had the last book tell everybody where you yeah. got your book buddy yeah i got my um agorism book on amazon agorism the path of freedom i think it's a dollar and then now so i reduced the price um just spreading peaceful anarchy Hell yeah, dude. I know that uh, you've given me a few copies and I have left them in little free libraries around here promoting uh, anarchism and hate hatred for the government. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Um, uh, everybody, we love you. Uh, the people that fucking did somebody sent us some fucking money on the PayPal today uh, and we're giving us some high praise. So thank you. You know who you oh, are. Yeah. You didn't tell me that I could use your name, so I won't give you a, a name shout out, but you know who you are. Um, and, uh, yeah, everybody hit us up. Realities at gmail.com. We love all of our audience. You can send us hate mail, love mail, dick pics, anything you want. Um, money, money. Yeah, absolutely. You can send us money. We're not going to be upset about that. And, uh, yeah, we love everybody. All right. Cheers, everyone. Take care. Uh, and give me 10 seconds. I'm going to hit the outro song. <laughs> so you've decided to listen to the realities ours podcast. How brave of you. Nate and Paranoid American may think that they're merely discussing cryptozoology, interdimensional realities, and crude humor. But know this, listening to this podcast puts you on a certain list, the Clinton body count, if you will. The truths they reveal are not for the faint of heart, nor the blissfully ignorant. Listen, if you dare, but remember, some doors, once opened, cannot be closed. And now, your hosts... Those audacious explorers of forbidden knowledge, the realities.